Relatively Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Mintz and Joseph Murdoch. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We're recording on Monday, November 14th. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz, leading us into the show today and joining me today and uh, every other day that we record this fantastic podcast. My co-host, Joe Nardone. Joe, how was your weekend, man? Good. Let's cut best. But you sound down and depressed. We need to cheer you up. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not down depressed. I just I had a very long weekend. A lot of a lot of stuff going on. Um, I actually officiated a wedding on Friday night. Congratulations to uh, Scott and Danielle. It was a good time. I hope I didn't ruin your special night. Um, but it's just been a long weekend. Been a long day already. And when it's Monday and it's a long day, it's not great. But I'm sorry I sound down. I'm very. You happy have the case of the Mondays. I do have a case of the Mondays, whatever that means. But I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Very happy to be talking about sports. We have a lot of you're lot burying of the you're burying the lead here. I don't know what the oh I know what the lead is. We'll get to that very shortly. But anyway, no, like, no, no, no. I'm talking about you marrying a couple. Oh, I said that already. I said I know, but you got like I mean, you should tell the viewers or the listeners, whatever the heck they're called, a little bit about this this adventure you were on, where two people asked you a previously non-ordained minister or whatever to, to exactly. marry them. Yeah, are you exactly. a rabbi technically now that you're, you're ordained? What are you? I am absolutely not a rabbi. I would say that I'm a minister, I guess. I think that's what it is, that maybe pastor. There's no religious attachment oh, to it. Oh, so there is the, none? No, the wedding that I did was, uh, it was, I guess, non-denominational. I mean, it's not interfaith. Interfaith would, would mean that there are different religions. They're both Catholics, but... They didn't really want a religious component to the wedding now that we're airing out their personal information. So they asked uh, a Jewish man to ordain to marry them? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, my, my buddy Scott, who I kind of grew up with, thinks that I, I have a way with words. So he thought I'd be the right person to, to marry him and his beautiful wife, Danielle. And uh, yeah, they, they just they asked me to do it. And for me, I wasn't going to turn down that opportunity. I thought it was, it was a, a great chance to give back to a childhood friend and... Honestly, it's a little bit of a power trip. So who else is going to ask you to, to marry them? When someone asks you to do something like that, I feel like you have to say yes, even if you're you're nervous about it. So leading into it, I was kind of just like, why would you guys ask me? I'm not a great public speaker. I don't even know that I'm all that eloquent or anything like that, but I'm honored. So I was honored, and I kind of ran with it, and all day I was just reaffirming to myself that the day was not about me. Nobody was even going to be looking at me when I was up there. And worst case scenario, if I did horrible, eh, what what difference does it make? They're still going to get married. People are still going to remember the party. People are still going to drink and eat and have a great time. And fortunately, I didn't bomb. I did a decent job. A lot of people came up to me afterwards and told me I was good even. So uh, I will take it. I actually, I made a joke to start off the ceremony that I wasn't a rabbi. And it fell flat. Like, it couldn't have fallen more <laughs> flat. And, like, I, I didn't notice how flat it fell. I mean, of course I did. But afterwards, I, I saw my fiance, and she was like, yeah, so your first joke bombed, but after that, you were great. And I was like, I was like, why am I even telling jokes? I didn't even write that into my script. But Wait, my your, wait for your fiance to reaffirm you. You know what I mean? Like, hey, were, like, great like, job, but you started by being horrible. A ton of people were calling me Rabbi Mintz leading up to the ceremony, and by a couple of people, I mean my friend and his father and maybe one other person, because I am, like, the lone Jewish person everybody knows. Um, so people were calling me Rabbi Mintz, so I went up there, and I was like, just want to give everybody a heads up, I'm not a real rabbi. Nobody laughed. Nobody thought it was funny. There's only three people knew you were Jewish. Is that basically what happened? 
people don't even know who I am. It doesn't make a difference. I don't know what I was thinking. It was a bad joke, <laughs> but the, the rest of the, the evening went fine. I, I wasn't nervous. I was worried that I was going to do a little dry heave or something when I got up there out of being nervous, but uh, I, held, I held it down. I'm proud of myself. I, I did well. Uh, I was also worried. Another one of my childhood best friends was in the bridal party, and uh, I was worried if I misspoke or did something, he would laugh. And him and I, like, throughout our childhood, would get the giggles together and be, like, kicked out of public places. So I was worried that that could ensue. Fortunately, it didn't. It went well. Everything went well. No, no, Nothing bad to report. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. All right. Now on to... to Hashtag sports. I was going to say, now on to real stuff. I guess, I guess this is fake and what we were just talking about was real. But on to sports... So as Joe mentioned, college basketball is back this weekend. We will get into that shortly. But first, got to start with NFL Week 10. Insert us singing about NFL Week 10, Joe. Week 10! NFL stuff. <laughs> Specifically, we're going to start with Week 10 picks, which this week, Joe gets the upper hand of. Joe, congratulations, man. You went 3-2 and two this week, where I went 2-3. and three. I go on this whole big tirade about how awful the Bucks are, and they just blow out the Bears. <laughs> Broncos wind up beating the Saints. Uh, I picked the Panthers for some dumb reason. The Chiefs win that game. Uh, we both had the Cowboys. We'll get to that game shortly. But the game we're going to lead off with was the Sunday night football game, which was pretty shocking considering the Patriots were seven and a half point favorites and they lose this game to the Seattle Seahawks. I, when I when you said we're burying the lead, I thought you were talking about CJ Procise having. What What is this, three weeks straight of breakout games? I mean, he was incredible last night. Joe, tell me what you saw out of your favorite player on the planet last night. He is, he is my favorite He is my favorite football player on the planet. Um, basically what you kind of thought he could be, which is a decent to solid, not great, running back in terms of actually running the football, and a top-tier running back that could catch the ball out of the backfield type running back. And I think we mentioned this before. And it's really, you can really tell in comparison when Christy Michaels in the game is how good CJ Procise is, is at picking up uh, defenders when he stays in the block. It's it's kind of absurd how good he is. It's almost like he's half running back, half fullback, half tight end, half wide receiver, all jumbled into one dude. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just above average in everything, and then he like excels in two things, which is catching the ball in the backfield and picking up blocks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's such a Swiss Army knife for that team. And we heard about this all preseason during training camp that this guy is just going to be a stud for them this year. And it was hard to believe because, you know, Thomas Rawls was great for them last season. Christy Michael was was even decent in stretches. And we knew he was going to have the job with Rawls out hurt. Obviously, no Marshawn Lynch for this Seattle team. So hearing about C.J. Procise a lot in the offseason or leading up to the season kind of made us wonder what kind of role could he even have in this crowded backfield. And now that he's been fully healthy these last few weeks, we've seen what kind of role he can have. I think I was most impressed when they took him out of the backfield and had him line up as a receiver. And, I mean, obviously we shouldn't be impressed by that he was a receiver at Notre Dame, but he was just unstoppable. And he really helped Seattle move the ball well last night for the second week in a row, which is very, very encouraging for this team especially to see Russell Wilson, who went, I don't know, like three or four games without throwing a touchdown or even running for a touchdown. Last night throws for 348 yards and three scores, all of which go to Doug Baldwin. Seattle offense looks like it's it's in good shape right now, Joe. Yeah, and that was after they were struggling to start the season, and Wilson's been dealing with ankle issues. 
Um, I, I would love to credit it all to ProSites, but it does have to do with Wilson getting healthier. And um, he does, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be talking circular here, but the way you mentioned how ProSites splits, uh, he goes out and plays wide receiver, basically. Well, he does literally play wide receiver. It forces a linebacker out of the box. It prevents it prevented New England from probably blitzing as, as much as they would like which gave Russell Wilson and his bad ankles time to not have to, like, scramble around like a maniac. So there was a really – I mean, yesterday there was a ton of good things to take from this game if you're a Seattle fan. Um, I think the biggest action is obviously on the defensive side of the ball, where, yeah, Tom Brady got 360 yards, but he did and no touchdown, threw a pick, and, I'll, I mean, as it is with most of the NFL, most of his passes were dink and dunkers, and New England couldn't run the ball at all. Yeah, I mean, but then you asked me about offense, and then I somehow turned it into defense. So I no, that, that's cool. It, it was a really good game, and we kind of saw the strengths and weaknesses of both teams. And New England was able to move the ball really through through a lot of penalties. I feel like Seattle picked up eight for sixty. It just felt like every time Gronk, you know, was open or targeted, there was a pass interference call, and they just they weren't moving the ball as well as they had in previous weeks. Which we were kind of expecting Seattle's defense to be a little slow. They had been on the field a ton their last couple games. It was a short week for them. Playing against New England, who likes to run a lot of plays and keep up the pace, we were really worried with how they were going to be able to keep up with New England. But they did a fine job. You know, LeGarrette Blunt gets his three touchdowns, but those all came, you know, from close in. It's not like he tore them up on the ground. Seattle's defense played a pretty decent game. One of the things I was wondering watching it, though, was how healthy was Rob Gronkowski out there. So he leaves the game just before the half. Uh, with what looked like was a concussion. I mean, he got popped by Cam Chancellor, gets back in on the next series, and kind of looked off for the rest of the game. Did, did any of that stick out to you, Joe? Uh, well, the grunt, like, I get nervous with guys. Like, the concussion things I know are still trying to figure out on the fly. But then you have somebody like Gronk, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful or try to make a joke, but, like, somebody that's a little loony to begin with, like, in humor and... The way he speaks, like how do you how do you test that dude to see if he's actually okay? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not even trying to be facetious. Ah, I can't use the word facetious. You did it. You're fine there. You didn't you didn't pull a Stugatz. You didn't uh, go the language. But you know what I mean. And uh, that's a good question. I I mean they do have a second really good tight end in Bennett. So like that's I don't want to use that as an excuse that you know whatever. And I mean let's be honest. This is probably Bill Belichick's fault because now the Patriots don't have a win since President-elect Donald Trump became a thing. <laughs> oh, man, imagine if that becomes a thing. Not not a bad talking point, but I can't imagine they're going to be held down for too much longer. They were really in that game. It, it was a pretty close game. Um, just kind of kind of surprising to me that Gronk got back on the field so quickly. And I thought, you know, down the stretch in that game, he, he looked a little out of it. He had the false start call. He had a drop on a pass that was over the middle. Even though the pass was tipped, I mean, Gronk catches everything usually by him. He did have that late game catch that, that helped New England get close to score towards the end, but I just I, I felt like he wasn't right in the second half of that game, and I wonder if we're going to hear more about it moving forward. Regardless, though, you got to give credit to the team that won. Seattle played well, and again, I just I think it's so encouraging that this offense is, is really moving the ball and that Russell Wilson looks healthy, and he's not really taking off and running yet, but I, I think that you know over the next couple of weeks he's just going to continue to look good, and if Seattle's able to do what they did in the second half of last season, where Russell Wilson was just throwing all over everybody, and Doug Baldwin had multiple touchdown games, Seattle's going to be the best team in the NFC, 
for the rest of the season. No. I mean, that, that, that no. Why? Who? Who is Dallas? It? I know. I'm, I was just trying to segue. I was just trying to transition. Okay, let's, right. let's let's. Seattle <laughs> might be able to challenge the next team we're talking about. Is the best team in the NFC. That was that was pretty bush league of me and very very awful. Uh, very yeah, first takey. <laughs> not even. It was it was like childish. It was it was a really bad. Here's team. a team that won a game. They're like one game over five hundred. The best team in the NFC. So the second game that we <laughs> wanted to talk about today was was really another exciting game, and that was the Cowboys beating the Steelers, where it looked like they had no business winning that game, and not because you know it wasn't close, just because Pittsburgh scored with like what thirty seconds left in that game or, or something ridiculous, and Zeke Elliott was just the story of the game, maybe even the story of the day in the NFL yesterday. Breaks a thirty-yard touchdown to to win that game. Joe, what were your thoughts? I mean, we, we both like Dallas going into the game, as, as I just mentioned in the picks, but for them to be able to go to Pittsburgh and, and take, that, take that game back, win down the stretch, I mean, how impressed are you with Dallas right now? Um, incredibly. I can't even say enough. Like, I think we, we're almost repeating ourselves week after week. Best offensive line of football. Dak Prescott's doing what he needs to do. He has all time, all, all day to throw. Ezekiel Elliott's probably the best running back in the NFL already, um, which is obviously thanks to the offensive line. And um, there's other things that happened this game. Mike Tomlin kept going for two, which I don't have a problem with at all. I think more coaches should have um, the cojones to take that risk. Um, their defense wasn't great. I mean, Pittsburgh was able to pass the ball all over the field. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger still threw for 408 yards. And did and looked good, looked good doing it. He also only got sacked one time, which is kind of an amazing stat, stat when you consider Ben Roethlisberger holds the football for about 10 minutes at a clip. Um, it's, circling back to Dallas, though, Des Bryant's back. He looked really good. I was wondering how the Deck Prescott, Des Bryant thing would work, like if he'd be forcing throws to Des because Des's kind of needs to get the ball early. But, you know, he had six catches for a buck 16 and a touchdown, nine targets. That's more than enough to, to quench that man's thirst. little sad Cole Beasley fell out of the rotation. But, uh... Hey, he still got his nine targets yesterday. Yeah, but he only he only, well he did have five catches for thirty three yards. What a horrible line that is! Five catches, thirty three yards. Jeez, Not bad man. for fantasy. Spread spread the field out a little bit here. Well, I was. It's funny. I was actually just going to say that I feel like Dak is doing a decent job spreading the field, considering this team likes to run the ball at least twenty five times a game or so. I mean, you get nine targets to Dez, you get nine to Beasley. Jason Witten sees another eight. And again, when you have somebody like Ezekiel Elliott who's able to run 83 yards on a catch, I mean, they're, they're just the Cowboys' offense didn't need to do more than they did yesterday, and it felt like they were really impressive when they had the ball. I I don't want to turn this into another Dak versus Tony Romo conversation, but I think the way Dak played yesterday, even if a lot of the yards were after the catch that he got credit for, I mean, he there's no reason to even question this at this point. Dak, no, Romo said he's fine. He's going to suck it up and play back up. No, he already said it, so just wait for Prescott to have a bad game and then put Romo in if you need me. The, Romo's playing the role of good teammate, so just let and it play it's, out. It's interesting that it's probably only going to take one bad game or one game that they lose where he throws like a touchdown and a pick until somebody's like, well, is he that good? <laughs> he, he's proven to be that good. I, I'm, I can't wait for that one bad game just to see how everybody reacts to it, but like... I've been somebody saying Tony Romo should be the quarterback, you know, week after week after week. This week, not not that Dak, not that it took this week to prove it, 
this week I'm just kind of like I can't say it anymore. I can't I can't stand up for the Tony Romo thing anymore. Well, this is that it, team. It's, they've been amazing. The, the, I mean, the next two games they're home with the Ravens and home with the Redskins. They don't they're not at anybody of great defense until the Vikings on the first of December. So by the time that happens, he might be solidified as the quarterback. As in, there's like, hey, a bad game's almost allowed. They'll be, ten, be. they'll be ten. They'll be in theory. They should be ten and one, and he should also have pretty good looking numbers heading into the Minnesota game. And Minnesota's kind of fine, falling apart as this happens. So maybe we're talking even longer this season before Prescott finds finds an issue during a game. And as I said before the season even started, Dallas has the most talented team in the entire NFL. The question was with Tony Romo's backup, and he turned out to be a pretty good player. Absolutely. Yeah, you're not going to get any more questions from me about when Tony Romo's coming back. This is Dak's He's team. He's definitely and on again, the Jets next year, right? Him or Jay Cutler. Goodness. Yeah, Jay Cutler completely pooped the bed this weekend. I don't even want to hear that name today. Jay um, Cutler. I used to, he used to be my favorite player in the NFL back in the day. Well, yeah, you're a Broncos fan. Yeah, but like, I mean, like, I thought he was like legit. When they traded him away, like, I think I might have cried. Understandable. I thought he was legit, too. Again, he was not legit at all yesterday. But while the Dallas Cowboys might be, you know, the best team in the NFL, I don't know that they're the hottest team in the NFL because the Tennessee Titans are tearing the league up. Yesterday, they, they pounded the Packers. They beat them 47-25 to as Marcus Mariota has another huge game, thrown for 295 yards and four scores. Even DeMarco Murray got involved with a touchdown <laughs> yesterday. Joe, what, what do you think the story from this game is? Is it the Packers? There's kinda, two. Can, right. Well, what, what, what stands out to you more? Is it the Packers just not being impressive at all? Or Tennessee probably looking like the best team in their division and might get hot enough to get into the playoffs and possibly win a game? All right. Well, their, yeah, division, their, division, their division stinks. So yes. uh, I'm going to go to Green Bay side. Even though the Tennessee side does interest me a lot because people were burying Mariota in the beginning of the year saying he regressed, and it took all two weeks to figure out, nope, he didn't. He got a lot better. Um, but as far as Green Bay goes, their, their head coach is going to get fired. I mean, you're, you supposedly have the best quarterback in the NFL, which I never bought, but he was always an upper-tier guy who's just not playing well. And he's getting sacked a ton. Their running game's garbage, except when they put the wide receiver to run the ball, which is a weird dynamic. They have nobody on the outside. I guess Jordy Nelson. I know Devontae Adams had a big game yesterday. Uh, but they don't really have a ton of weapons. And let's be honest, like it's James Starks, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, these aren't names that aren't really resonating. The only reason people cared about Jordy Nelson is because he's white. And I'm not wow. sure. He, well, I'm just saying, I'm not sure he's good on any other team than the Packers. I think he gets his numbers because he's the best receiver amongst a crappy core group of receivers. I'm cringing. I think they're a decent group of receivers. You do? Fairness. I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with this team. I mean, year after year, they have one of the better offenses in football. I think Jordy's awesome. They were good last year. Yeah, they, they didn't have Jordy last year. Yeah, but they now they have Jordy and they still stink. So how good is Jordy? This year they stink. I think Jordy's very good. Jordy had a good game. Devontae Adams has been decent. Do you think he has Randall deceptive Cobb. speed? No, I don't think he's deceptive. I think he's a freak. I I thought Jordy Nelson was a top 5-10 to 10 receiver before he tore his ACL last year. Well, what do you think uh, of him now? I, I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's Rodgers. I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know if it's just the defense isn't keeping them in game, so the offense is struggling too. 
I don't know what the problem is with this team, but like it's clear, very clear that they have a huge problem. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe like, Aaron Rodgers regressed. Maybe, maybe, but maybe their coaching staff stinks. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, yesterday they, Let's they, speculate didn't, they didn't even really try to run the ball, which kind of killed me as a fantasy football player. Starting Ty Montgomery, worst worst idea ever. Who's Start Geronimo time. Allison? He is like their ninth receiver after Jeff Janis, who also stinks. But I'm saying you have a receiving group of Jordy Cobb, Devontae Adams, and Ty Montgomery as your four. All those guys are decent, I think. I, we I think. Just, I, we don't know. Did Aaron Rodgers make them? That's the thing. Like That's what I'm asking. Maybe they stink. I, I, think, I think they are good, and I think they help Rodgers be good. And I think the fact yeah, that Rodgers... Yeah, they help this team be 1-3 and three in the division, 4-5 and five overall. They're struggling. They're struggling. Struggling I, for the second I don't know, year. I, I'm not certain what the struggle it should be, uh, you know, why, why they're struggling as hard as they are. I really don't. I, I don't know. But let, let's focus on the other side of this. Sure. And again, that's the Titans, who I just laughably said are like the hottest team in football. They're absolutely not. They are 2-2 two and two in their last four games. But Marcus Mariota, 17 touchdowns and three interceptions in his last six games. This offense is awesome. And I just I, I wonder if, if the defense can get some more stops, kind of like they did on Sunday, if this team can push for the playoffs and, and even win a game in the playoffs. How scared are you of the Titans, Joe? I'm not scared at all. I don't have to play against them. But, well, you're a, te- you're a Texans fan, aren't you? No, I'm not a Texans fan. Not anymore. If I would have asked you week one who your favorite NFL team is, you would have told me. I would have said, said Will Fuller. And then it's become CJ. Whatever Notre Dame players had at the moment. Um, Mar- Mariota. Yeah, sorry. Mariota. Looks like, he looks like a beast, man. He's really improved. At this point, I think he looks gasp better than Jameis Winston. And... Uh, DeMarco Murray is turning out to be really good at, at an old age. Yeah, yeah, he, he's good. He's landed on his feet with Tennessee this year, which is good to see because you weren't sure if, if they just brought him in there as, as insurance to Derrick Henry, who you know hasn't gotten the playing time because of how good Murray's been. But offensively, it just feels like this team has more weapons than anybody would have thought they have. Kendall Wright's emerged as a decent receiver. Rashard Matthews has gotten hot these last few weeks. And Delaney Walker had another big game. So, yeah, I, I like the Titans' chances in the AFC South and uh, proud of myself for streaming Marcus Mariota yesterday. Very proud. All right, Joe, since I'm, I'm doing bad tweets out loud, let, let's do some real bad tweets in, instead of just me being a gas bag. All right, Mario, Mario is out six. So Luigi. with this bad tweet. It is from Brian Giberman. You might know him as at Giberman10. Um, he writes up places and podcasts sometimes. His tweet from yesterday, 10.50 p.m. Procise is basically a poor man. It's supposed to be poor man's. Poor man David Johnson. Those two are going to be fun. Second part of the tweet, fine. Those two are going to be fun. Why do we always have to do the poor man's thing? <laughs> Well, well, I mean, because it, it, they both catch footballs out of the backfield, even though Procise actually very literally lines up to play wide receiver, and I believe David Johnson doesn't. David Johnson was a receiver in college, so I think that's the comparison. Whatever. Why does he have, one? How do we even know David Johnson's better at this point? Procise oh. has been healthy. He Procise has been healthy for like two weeks. 
Prepare the hot take cannon. Listen to me. ProSize is better than No, listen to me. Listen to me. ProSize has been healthy for two weeks. We have such a small sample size of Guapo. And why does everybody have to be the poor man's whoever? Why can't he just be his own? Nobody's ever the same. Like, you don't walk into the Burger King and see, like, a different person behind the counter going, that's a poor man's Lucille. You know what I mean? You just, you know the burger's coming. And with CJ ProSize, you know goodness is coming. Why can't we just appreciate him? Well, I have to do the compare and contrast thing. I get, well, I, I kind of get it with NBA with basketball things, but with like, I mean, like in the NFL, I mean, just enjoy and appreciate. You know, what the comparison's better for the David Johnson anyway. Amply Madden nineteen ninety five. That's what the 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 comparison should be. Wow, you had a good opportunity to go Ricky Waters there, so I'm I'm proud that you didn't. I I think it's a compliment comparing CJ Procise to David Johnson. You're I get a compliment. Thanks. I get what you're saying about why do we have to do this? Why does he have to be a poor man instead of just being a him? I mean, I think that's kind of just the nature of discussing sports, especially on Twitter. Uh, I don't know, man. You're be fired better, up. Twitter. You're fired up because it's CJ Procise. I am. My, the tweet doesn't the words, bother me that much. Like, poor, I, honestly, it doesn't bother me that much. Poor man and CJ Procise in the same tweet is definitely all you need to qualify for bad tweets by Joe Nardone. All right. My, my bad tweet is a little bit worse, I think, than yours. Yes. Um... And it was in response to a tweet that's no longer available. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it was about it was about the Knicks. So that's where this is going right now. In response, in response to James Dolan needing to fire somebody, probably Phil Jackson, because who else would he fire and take a loss on money? Ash, who is at Neuro3DFX, tweets, it's not PJ. The league will find other ways to sabotage the team. They want Dolan out. Only crime of Phil's is not having a system to defeat the refs. Yeah, conspiracy theories. So what this is stemming from is I got into an argument, actually, with this fella on Saturday (laughs) because he blamed the Knicks, Knicks who lost by 28 points to the Celtics on Friday night in a game in which they shot 35% from the field. Uh, He blamed that on the refs, which I, I... I'm not going to say I understand. I understand the emotion behind it because Carmelo Anthony got tossed in the first half of this game. Brandon Jennings got tossed later. And then Melo and Derrick Rose both made comments about the refs leaning on Boston's side. I mean, the Celtics are one of the more physical teams in the NBA. But at the same time, you know, the Knicks shot 35% from the field in this game and have the league's worst defense. So this gentleman decided to blame everything on the referees. And I kind of just can't really stomach that kind of behavior out of a fan base that I identify with which I really just hardly do anymore, aside from the fact that we cheer for the same team. It's just, it's disgusting at this point. Like, how could you as a Knicks fan think the league has something against your team? This team loses year after year after year after year. They're mismanaged year after year after year after year. Players come over here who were good on other teams, and they stink. I'm sorry I just said here, but I do live in New York. And they stink year after year after year. How could you possibly blame the referees or the NBA or Adam Silver or anybody who's not associated with the Knicks organization? I don't want to ever get frustrated with the fans. Like, I get it. Fans are emotional. They, they like to take evidence that, that meets the things that they believe and run with that and ignore all other evidence. Knicks fans are great at doing this. I just don't understand how we're like three weeks into the season and we're already blaming everybody else for the Knicks failures besides Knicks management, Knicks players. It's just... Well, Jared, clearly the NBA is conspiring to keep the biggest market in the country out of the playoffs. Clearly. Clearly. Like, has- let, let, let's purposely throw millions of dollars in the dumpster 
for no reason other than they hate the New York Knicks, apparently. A bottom two team in the league for the last 15 years. This obviously <laughs> is the fault of the referees, of the, the NBA. Oh, I don't even know, man. I just don't know. Let's be honest, man. Nick, Nick, Nick's Twitter is turning into being as bad, if not worse, as Jets' Twitter. And, oh, it's way worse. It's and, so much worse. It's almost like Taylor Swift Twitter, where Taylor Swift could go through 900 boyfriends, and she's not the issue. It's the 900 boyfriends she went through. Wow. Oh, I just took a random shot at Taylor Swift. Yeah, I don't don't know what you're doing here. It's not great. Um, What what do you mean it's not great? She has a a really rabid fan base who doesn't see things objectively, is all. All right, I will take your word for it. Just to to wrap up on this this bad tweet, so the the dude kind of added me earlier and said, how do you feel about Carmelo and Derrick Rose speaking up against the refs? I said, yeah, you're right. It's probably a conspiracy against the Knicks. Uh, he said, Jared, you aren't good for b-ball. You're like an idiot child still hanging on to Santa Claus fairy tales. So there are your good tweets. That was that last, he owned you. He pa- owned you. Whatever the P in the own means. Yeah, he pawned me. Pawned me. Whatever. So, yeah, I, You're I, the I, one that likes Santa Claus or whatever, even though he's the one making conspiracy theories up. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't know. All right, Joe, let's stop talking about bad bo- basketball. And let's, <laughs> yep, bad basketball. But we're going to talk about basketball more. And let's talk about good basketball, <laughs> because Joe's favorite sport is back. The sport that puts brand-name food on the table for Joe's children to eat. College basketball came back on Friday evening. Joe, what did you see this weekend that really stuck out to you? All right, a couple things. I'll make them short, because I know the audience is probably dying for college basketball takes. This Luke, is why they listen. Luke Kennard, Duke. He is the Marty Gennetti to Grayson Allen's Shawn Michaels. He, he, listen, what, so people forgot about him last year. He came in. He was a highly regarded five-star prospect. He was supposed to be a do-it-all player. Um, he was. But very inconsistent. He was really inconsistent last year. So far this season, he's playing out of his mind. It's even gotten some people like Seth Greenberg to already come start comparing him to J.J. Redick. I won't go that far yet. Um, but they play Kansas. They're going to be without almost every player of consequence outside of him, Emil Jefferson. And Grayson Allen, we're going to find out how, uh, what? Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson's been a stud so far. Could I finish my sentence? Finish your sentence. Yeah, Frank Jackson. And we're going to find out how good Luke is going to be this season, probably against Kansas. And I know Kansas last, but don't worry about it. Kansas will be really good. They're just going to take some time to figure it out. Thomas Bryant from Indiana. No, come on. You're not going to give me the opportunity to talk about Duke. This is like the one Oh, place I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give me your Luke Kennard hot takes. I don't have any hot takes. I actually, I love Luke Kennard. I liked what I saw out of him last year a lot. Uh, you're right. He was very inconsistent, especially as as a shooter and a scorer. But I feel like he's one of these guys who, you know, you watch play, and if you're not, like, an avid college basketball fan, you're like, oh, well, like, he's just another white guy who could shoot. He's not. Like, he's he does an incredible. Lot. He's an incredible athlete. He's a great facilitator. He is a very good defender. I mean, yeah, I'm overrating him because I am a Duke fan. But I, I just I saw him capable of doing a lot of things last season, and I think if that team was a little bit bigger, like if they had a healthy Emil Jefferson last year, we would have saw him able to play more of his role, which you're going to get to see him play this year. So when yeah, they I, get I, healthy, I, which they're not yet, <laughs> right? Which they're not yet, and hopefully they will be in a couple weeks when they get Tatum back. But I, I, I that's the one thing that concerns me though is how much he'll be able to facilitate offen- offensively. Just having you know Tatum needing the ball and Grayson needing the ball and Jackson needing the ball, but I, I do think that Kennard is an exceptional talent, and 
I'm glad to see him get the opportunity to, to really showcase it. I'm excited for the Kansas game to see what he's going to be able to do. I'm going to do a white-on-white comparison after just complaining about people comparing. Kennard has the potential to be better than Sam Decker was at Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that that's totally wrong. I think no, I don't think, I think he's almost, like, listen, sample size is very small. But he's already built to be a player that's more well-rounded. And he's, yes. at, and he's far more athletic. So if he can I, just play consistently well, he's better than Sam Decker. That's it. See, I don't know if I can agree with the athletic thing. I think Decker is a bit more explosive. And his, I, his athleticism is really linear. I think Canard is He's also bigger. More. Sam Decker? Yeah. Like that, uh, I might have thought this up. Because I'm, Decker's I can't, like college power forward and Canard's like, you know, a, a 2-3. I believe Decker was like 6-8, six, 6-9. Six, six, he was 6-7. Canard's 6-6, really? six, six, correct? Ah, interesting. Bigger body, then. I don't know. I I think Kennard is more skilled, and I would think Decker is the better athlete of the two. I don't think that's a bad white-on-white comparison, though. Yeah, we're all here for the wows. <laughs> all right, Joe, you, you can move on and talk about anything else. Thomas about. Bryant, Indiana. Listen, man, I didn't think he was that good. I understand everybody loved him. He came out, and he's like a smoke show now. Um, Ooh, he's hot, huh? Yeah, I'm overreacting to one game, but we'll find out. Finally, last dude I want to talk I did want to talk about Marcus Fault. Real quick with him, Washington loses to Yale. Yale was supposed to be competing with Harvard for the best team in the Ivy League. They lost to the, their best player before the season. Um, Yale still beat Washington anyway, which continues my running theory that Lorenzo Omar could recruit better than almost anybody in the country, seeing Sean Miller, Calipari, and Coach K. But when he gets all that talent, he could do jack squat with it. But Fault wow. is real. He, doesn't. He had two lottery picks last year, and they won 18 games. Um, in fact, somebody, I, I wish I had the stat in front of me, like 40% of NBA players that failed to make the NCAA tournament that were drafted in the lottery come from Lorenzo Lamar. Um, Interesting. Shout out to Brandon Murray and Marcus Chris. Marcus Chris. And uh, what's the other guy from last year? Dante Murray or whatever his name is. DeJounte, yeah. DeJounte, whatever. He's in the D-League now, correct? Uh, I don't know. I, I believe he was drafted by Memphis. I don't think he's up with the team. No, I don't think that he is. Um, but yeah, all right. So that's he's supposed to be an NBA player, though. No, I don't have. I don't think he's horrible. No, the Spurs. The Spurs. That's why he's not playing. The Spurs drafted him. Yeah, him and Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes wasn't drafted. He was signed. I love Bryn Forbes. Uh, finally, Dennis Smith. Junior for North Carolina State came in with Hate, 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 hate. No, hate, I'm not going to hate. It's going to be very balanced. However, I'm going to do a little backlash to the backlash to the non-backlash that happened on Twitter. So he came with super hype, top five lottery pick type type five pick guy coming into the season. He's he stunk the first two games so far. He's going to be fine when he figures it out. But I saw tweets that said Dennis Smith would be better. It's going to be a bit better in the NBA because he'll have bigs that actually set screens as another guard the same size as him. North Carolina State is shooting like sixty percent from the field. Do you know what I mean? So he's going to get better yeah. by playing in the top. Like that's a horrible way to look at this. How about just like, hey, he needs like a couple games to adjust. He'll probably be fine. And if he doesn't, he won't be the first high-level five-star prospect to not have worked out. Let's not like already declare him super awesome two games into whatever, and let's not bury him two games into whatever. Some dudes, listen, Grayson Allen, circling back to Duke, his freshman year was kind of a bust until the till March hit. He didn't play a ton. He couldn't find a ton of minutes. And now he's a national player of the year candidate. 
So okay. he was a bust until the championship game. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. Like he came in with a lot of hype. There was really no minutes for him. Coach K didn't really trust him yet, and then he kind of figured it out. Sometimes it just takes dudes a couple minutes to figure it out. It doesn't mean that he's going to be horrible. At the same time, let's not like just make wholesale excuses for the dude. Like his bigs aren't setting hard enough screens for him as another guard on the team is shooting uh, like really efficiently from the floor. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. That should, I hate, should... I, listen, college basketball Twitter, I complain about all the Twitters because I actually hate Twitter. And if I didn't have the <laughs> job I have, I wouldn't have Twitter at all. I would be an egg and I would just monitor certain people's accounts. And I would never chime in. But college basketball Twitter, it's full of, I have all these preconceived ideas. And then when things don't fit into those ideas, they'll just make excuses of it. And then if it works out their way, they'll be like, look it, I told you this way back and whatever. Pat me on the back. You know what I mean? Instead of just eating the L, just eat the L. Just eat the L on Dennis Jr. so far. Be like, hey, like, hey, it takes, you know, it might take five or six games. Nobody's going to hate you because you were projecting him to score like 50,000 points a game. Stop giving these guys unrealistic expectations coming out of high school. Fair enough. What did you think of Lonzo Ball this weekend? I didn't get to see him play live. I only got to see the highlights. Apparently, he was awesome and I missed it and I want to cry. I also, don't get the, I also don't get the Pac-12 network. So not that I illegally stream anything, but I usually have a harder time watching Pac-12 games than I would like. Like, you know, the Washington game, I may have used my computer more than I wanted to watch Marcus Foles play basketball. That's fair. It makes sense. What games are you most excited for tonight as we approach this? St. John's and Binghamton. Binghamton. Binghamton, Joe. Binghamton, St. John's, Federico Mussini had 20 points off the bench. Superstar. <laughs> what did you say? I mean, if it, I said Joe's in love. You were in love with He's him. my sophomore if, crush. If you Google my name, sophomore crush. I wrote a guest post for whatever, the HP network that doesn't exist, but it's still floating around somewhere out there on the interwebs. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, if St. John's can't beat Binghamton, we got problems, Joe. Any other games you're really looking for? I was forward? really right after the season on the opening night, and they won by like 9,000 points. I'm like, oh, let me get, get, give me this false hope now. Um, games tonight, listen, the, the marathon's not exactly um, designed to kill you with quality as much as it is designed to kill you with quantity. At least not until Tuesday night at like 6 to 8 o'clock. Well, then, then well, the no, Villanova plays Purdue tonight, so that's a really good matchup. Caleb Swanigan had, uh, has, is having an insane start this season. Villanova's Villanova. Mikel Bridges, who I like, all of a sudden Draft Express has ranked in the top 15. That's kind of shocking considering like he's really a niche role player last year and he's had two good games so far, or a good game so far. So, I mean, let's, that's a good story to follow. Follow? Follow? Um, follow? I want to see E.C. Matthews play, Rhode Island player. He was hurt all last year. He's already come back and played really well. Um, they're a top 25 team. They should. They would have made the tournament last year if they weren't ravaged by injuries. I really, really liked them. And I, I'll, here's my super early hyperbolic thing. They're an Elite, elite 8 team. Um, well, listen, man, they're really good, and now they're super veteran Like, they're all seniors and juniors now, and it's Curran Iverson and E.C. Matthews. Listen, E.C. Matthews is, like, super-duper dark horse. Super, super, super dark horse national player of the year candidate. Um, other than that, man, it's mostly garbage tonight. 
<laughs> yeah, so, definitely garbage tonight. I mean, tomorrow I'm I'm getting pretty excited. San Diego but, State and Gonzaga would have been good, but San Diego State's going to miss Malik Pope tonight uh, and two other players, one of which was backing up Malik Pope. So they're going to have no front court to speak of. So Gonzaga is going to dominate them. That game starts at 9 Eastern. Um, I'm trying to see if Tukey Bryan's playing tonight, the Georgia, Georgia Southern player. But I can't find Georgia Southern on the schedule. So that's disappointing if people haven't watched Tukey Bryant yet. He will shoot the ball. They do play 7 o'clock tonight. College of Coastal Carolina, they're playing. That game is not televised or streamed. That's a shame. Um, Tukey Brown shot like 50 shots against uh, NC State, and he scored like 40 points, but he took like 50 shots. Tukey Brown is my new Jamil Warren, is what I'm trying to say. Wow, there it is. Somebody had to take his place. For now, I mean, he's going from Kiefer Sykes. To Jamil Warney, I'm looking for my new mid-major, low-major guy. Right now, Tukey's in the running. I don't know. It was going to be the guy from George, uh, George Washington, Pat Covington. But uh, they're too good to be that yet. I need somebody that's also like a sophomore or freshman that I can follow for a couple of years. Very anal in that area. That's fair. It makes sense. It's too bad you also lost to Montes Sabonis last year. So you got to oh, replace wait, your, yeah, but your high-level mid-major crush as well. That's true. But, yeah, Gonzaga is not even a mid-major. Let's be honest. They're nationally a national power. Like, I'm not even, like, it's funny. Like, I see every once in a while the Mark Few negative things on Twitter, and I just want to be like, really? Like, really? Like, seriously. Like, it's these, it's almost the equivalent of, like, Fordham randomly becoming a national power. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mark Few. He's a hero. He should be in the college basketball, or he should actually be, he, he will, I think, too, end up being in the Naismith Hall of Fame. We'll see. I mean, I wasn't ready to debate this, I I think that there's a lot of validity to it. I mean, he didn't get that program off the ground. He's definitely taken them to new levels. There's no denying that. I mean, he's been recruiting as well as pretty much anybody outside the guys you mentioned earlier. But I, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I think they may need to win a championship. If they win a championship ever, he definitely gets in. But I, listen, listen, you're giving too much credit to Don Ma- Dan Mountain or everything is having two good seasons. Let's, as let's, getting Gonzaga off the ground. Yeah. He had two good seasons, one, only one of which he made the, the NCAA tournament. Fair enough. Fair what, enough. what has Dan Monsoon done since? Gorilla Monsoon, I have no idea. I have you want no to know what he's done since? What has he done? Got fired at Minnesota for being horrible, and now he's <laughs> putzing around Long Beach State being horrible. Although, to be fair to him, I just really buried him. At Long Beach State, he has a bunch of 21 seasons, and he's made the NCAA tournament a couple times. But it's Long Beach State eight. in the Big West. But he failed when he tried to jump up in, up in conference when he coached at Minnesota. Then again, who succeeds at Minnesota outside of Tubby Smith? Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know about Mark Few. We'll, we'll see. But speaking of, of failure, if any of my fellow University of Hartford alums are listening, we got Hartford taking on Niagara at 6.30 in the morning on ESPN2 tomorrow. Tuesday morning, ESPN2. Hartford minus Pancake Thomas. I have no idea who's on the team this year, but Pancake. I'm probably not going to wake up to watch that. So if you want Tell to, the by nation where Pancake story. Thomas went. Do you know? I had it. Uh, did he go to Western Kentucky? He did with everybody else in the world. With everybody else. Yeah, yeah, they got a crazy program this year. That's Joe's favorite team. I love Pancake Thomas. We have, I think, do we have the podcast? I remember talking about Pancake Thomas on We here. talked about Western Kentucky nailing nailing this offseason. Oh, did. Mitchell Robinson, Pancake Thomas, and all those other guys. Pancake Thomas is awesome. Plus, his name is Pancake. His name is Pancake. Would would that be the name? Like, if you could have a nickname and it was a food, it would be Pancake, wouldn't it? Probably not. It could be any food. Um, 
You know, I know it's not really a food as much of it's a na- as it's a name of a food, and it's a name that you've been bringing up a lot recently. Whopper. Whopper would be a pretty cool nickname. Whoppermints. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess well, that would work. Food? I mean, like, you can't be like, yeah, name me spaghetti, or like, yeah, call me fish. I don't, right, I don't know. Pa- that's why pancake works. That's what I'm saying. Like, it works really well. Obscure enough. Maybe you can like, use sugar, uh, obviously, but everybody, like, Sugar Ray Lewis, Sugar right. Ray Leonard, or whatever. Pancake is obscure. We need obscure ones. Like, yeah, uh, you know, call me call me Waffle. I mean, I guess it's not really original, because it's pancake, but I don't know. <laughs> call me, tell me, call me Unbaked Dough. <laughs> the rest, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah. If if you want to just fast forward twenty minutes, Joe and I are going to rattle off the names of food that we can think <laughs> of top of our head. Instead of doing that, Joe, how about we do absurd questions? Mm-hmm. Hit the music. It is time for the absurd questions portion of the podcast. Absurd questions. All right, I'll go first with my absurd question. This is actually funny because it's kind of. Man, absurd questions for me has become variations of previous questions. Just changed a little bit, so I apologize. There's only so many ways we can be absurd and ask right. questions while doing so. Like as I just asked you, what food you would want to be named after for a nickname? If you were to be any inanimate object in the world, which one would you be and why? Like a specific one? Like I would have to be the bed of Jenna Jameson? Yeah, it could be however. Like, no, no, no. In general, like you can't be like the bed of Jenna Jameson. You just be the bed. Oh, but does that mean I'm everybody's bed? No, like you just—it's luck of the draw at that point. Whoever ends up buying it. Oh my gosh, that's tough. I—I kind of like the answer bed, but what if I wind up in like a New York City hotel and I have bed bugs? Am yeah, I like, or like or like one of those by the hourly hotels? You know. I mean, that'd be awesome. That's like jackpot. Probably. No, I think you know by by the hourly hotels. I don't think you're getting the best kind of clientele walking through there. Not that I mean, you could catch anything, because you're just an inanimate object anyway. Well, no, I could catch bed bugs. That's, That's the worst I could do. So the answer's obviously been made up, and it's bed. I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think if there's something else I could be. I mean, like, what's even as fun as that? I'm looking around the room I'm in. Chair, chair gives it, you know, <laughs> chair gives it a run. Maybe if I'm a computer monitor, so I could look at the people that are looking at me, Ooh. that'd probably be fun. Mine's uh, coffee pot, by the way. Why? Because I because I because I'm helping. I'm being productive. I'm giving back. Oh my goodness! If you're in that, oh, I mean, like every single plus plus, I'm gonna be touched all the time. All the time. What if you're a coffee pot of somebody that doesn't drink coffee? And then shame on them for buying gift. me. At least I'll be. What if, what if it's a gift or like a wedding registry? Like, yeah, we got to get coffee even though we don't make it, so we're gonna register for it. And you just wind up being that unused. What about the coffee? stuff inside a Lysol can? Well, you don't have, like, are then, oh, I mean, that that's essentially the same as being, like, a cleaning device. Right. And not, I, I'm not saying I clean with Lysol. I'm just saying, like, you, uh, <laughs> you are a chemical inside of a bottle. Right. And then you're going to go into But the you air. get to fly for a second. Well, that's interesting. And, and there's, like, a bunch of menus. Like, it's not, like, it's just, like, it's a mist or a spray. Like, what's, what, like, if you open it up, is it a liquid inside there? What's inside there? Gas? I don't know. It can't be a liquid. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, it's probably like a liquidy gas or something like that. But like, because when it comes out, it's very like not liquidy. Like, I know it's liquidy still, but it's not like it's not like water coming out of there. No, right. Like, if you were to open that, you probably wouldn't be pouring out. I'm staring at my Lysol can right now, wondering if I should open it after the podcast. You have to. There's only one way to find out. You have to do it on the podcast. Do Do I go for it? I, I feel, I feel like I don't know if I can actually. I feel I don't know if I can actually open it. 
What if something bad happens if you do? Can I die? Well, then the ratings would be huge for this show. They probably wouldn't. No one would find out because no one would be able to produce it. We, you would just upload it and not, not tell Tommy I died. I'm not, I'm not recording this. I'm oh, that's right. It's on my end. I'd have to leave a note before Forget I try it. to do it. do it. Do it after the podcast. Record the podcast. Upload it. Film a video of yourself. And that will replace Friday's show. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to stick with bed and Joe's going to be the contents of a Lysol can, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Great. My question for you. That was, that was a good question. You didn't tell that one well enough before we recorded my I, well, I feel like we always do the if you could be, and then oh, yeah, insert thing. Questions. It's not like you know what was your favorite day in 1993. <laughs> These are oh, easily the day the day the Phillies made the World Series. Yeah. Wow, that was quick. All right. Well, you picked the year I actually kind of remember. So. Yeah, I'm like thinking about I'm like who won the Royal Rumble that year. Um, if they were to make a movie about you, oh. who would you want to play you? I'm almost positive we did this one before. Um. Maybe the so. popular, for people that know me, and I say know me, know me by 45 pounds later ago, they would say Josh Hartnett, because they, when I was younger, people said we looked somewhere. But I'm I probably did ask you this question before, because this isn't the first time you brought up Josh Hartnett on the podcast. Yeah, but uh, I'm much chubbier now. Josh Hartnett, the star of 40 Days and 40 Nights, as well as, uh, I don't know, what are some other movies? Josh <laughs> I have no Black idea, Hulk. but it used to help me out a lot with women. Black Hawk Down, um, The Faculty, was that the name Yeah, of that he movie? was in The Faculty. The Faculty is a movie, actually. Like, Usher is in The Faculty. What percent of people that are listening to this podcast do you think don't know any of the three movies that I just reeled off? Uh, I'm going to say only, I think most of people know at least two of the three. The Faculty's uh, on all the time. Right. All right. So, oh, okay, but it wouldn't be Josh Hartnett because I'm too chubby. So, is this who I they want to, to play me, or who I yeah, think? Yeah, the question is, who, who well, would you who like? Who do I want to play me? That's easy. I want, what's his name? Uh, man, he's like a scheme stealer in every movie. I, I've talked about him before. Crap, what, what, I can't think of his name. He's in Saving Private Ryan. He gets, no, so he gets, he's the one that gets stabbed. I never saw Saving Private you know, Ryan. About, okay, so the one movie I can remember that he's in. Uh, he was in a couple of Friends episodes as Phoebe's brother. Uh, uh, not a Friends guy. Is Paul Rudd in that? In is that Paul Rudd? It's not Paul Rudd. Although I would say I'm going to pull this up now. I settle for Paul Rudd. All right. So my answer was Tom Hardy, which is unrealistic. <laughs> I mean, like if it were like, yeah, it'd be awesome if Tom Hardy's playing Jared. He's like good looking. He's probably going to beat the hell out of a few people. You know that that'd be pretty cool. But like realistically, like it probably wind up being. I don't know, like Seth Rogen or Jonah Hill or somebody like that. Someone of that ilk. And that that's still, like, giving me way more hair than I, I deserve to have in a movie. But uh, I don't know, maybe, like, Brett Gelman. I know that that's pretty obscure, and most people probably don't know who Brett Gelman is. Have you ever seen the movie The Other Guys? The scene where uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, what's-his-face Will Ferrell go to his ex-girlfriend's house for whatever they go there for, and uh, she's married to some dude, but she's still trying to get with Will Ferrell? Brett Gelman is the married dude who keeps yelling, Her name is Christina! That's Brett Gelman. I love Brett Gelman. All right, Joe, did you figure it out yet? I did. I had to Google it. Um, G- Giovanni Ribisi? Ribisi? Giovanni yeah. Ribisi? Yeah. yeah Even we, look nothing, we look nothing alike. I just really like his acting. We've had this conversation before because you were unable to say Giovanni Ribisi before, who is in uh, Boiler Room. He's yeah. awesome in that. He's in Ted also, which is like the worst role he's ever played. Well, he played a, like he plays, a weird villain. Yeah, he plays the creepy dad in, in Ted, who's trying to get Ted for his son. 
Gone uh, 60 Talk. Seconds? Is he Gone? I've never seen Gone 60 oh, with Seconds. Oh, listen, man, that's like peak Nick Cage, where all the Nick Cage movies were the same. Like Gone in 60 Seconds, Connery, all that. Um, what's the one with John Connor, The Rock? They're all the same Rock, movie. Yeah. they just different scenarios. He plays Nick Cage's brother. Like, his brother's, like, got in trouble, and Nick Cage has to save him. Oh, man, now I kind of want to see it, now that I know it's about that. It's actually, it's of the Nick Cage variety movies during peak, peak Nick Cage, which wasn't that long, uh, that was one of the better ones. He's, like, the star of Boiler Room, which is crazy, because, like, everybody else in that movie is went on to way bigger and better things than him. Well, here's and the he thing, was, like, that's not fair. Here's the deal, I think Boiler Room was, I'm not positive, but I do believe, like, the Applex, Diesels, I think it's one of those things where, like, they're all kind of friends. And that was a vehicle for Ripsy, Ripsy, and it was kind of like a, here you go, buddy, we'll lend our name to it type of deal. Because Affleck was already kind of famous when Boiler Room came out, correct? correct? Or is that before? Yes. So, yeah, I think that's before he started to peak. Like, I think at that point he was still doing, like, Kevin Smith movies. Yeah. Oh, man. We're circling back to the Kevin Smith podcast. <laughs> it's been a long time. The first five episodes of the podcast, all we did was talk about Kevin Smith movies. But, yeah, that movie's stacked with guys. You're right. It's Vin Diesel. Um, that's before Vin Diesel was Vin Diesel, though. And then it was Ben Affleck. He had, he had hair in that movie, I believe. Did he? Yeah. He, even play, he also awesome. played like a super nice guy that just got really upset when he found out that Giovanni's character was uh, going to sell them all out. Who's the woman Giovanni's love interest in that? I don't remember. Oh, man. I haven't seen that movie in a really long time. I love good- them. That's a very quotable movie, and I'm going to blank on all the good quotes. Yeah, I can't give you one off the top of my head. Ben Other Affleck, than, when he meets oh, with Nia other Long? people. Nia um, Long is the girl in that movie. Who is? Nia Long. Oh, yeah, Long. she's beautiful. Uh, Will uh, Tom Everett Scott's in that movie. Scott Kahn's in that movie. Nikki Cat. Nikki Cat was, like, good for a little while. I don't know what he does now. Uh, but, yeah, Cat. remember that scene with Ben Affleck? Where all the new hires are sitting around the table. And he's like, if yeah. you want to make money and if you want to. I can't even say most of it. It's really vulgar. Yeah. It's one of the better isn't, scenes Ben Affleck's ever done. Isn't that the people who say money doesn't mean everything to them and yeah. never had money or whatever? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, and then he starts bragging about all the things he has, and he's like, and I effing love it and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, man, I'm going to listen to that after this, too, on YouTube, as I try to open up the Lysol thing. <laughs> Proving, yet again, I have no money. It's a good it's a good uh, Ben Affleck movie. That's a great movie. All right. I think now that we're rambling on about Boiler Room, we could probably say goodbye to our listeners. Thank you guys so much for listening once again. Enjoy the college basketball marathon. Make sure you're following Joe for all of your college basketball. Follow stuff. me! Even even though he swears off college basketball Twitter, he is a prominent member of it. But you can find me on Twitter at Hoops. Catch my basketball writing at fanregsports.com. Again, we are not at todaysfastbreak.com. We have merged all of our subsites onto fanregsports.com. So make sure you're going there for all of your great sports content. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you. You can find me at fanraxsports.com, on the mean streets of the Twitters, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. You can also find me underneath your bed. Quick look. Ah, I looked. You weren't there. I lied. That's all I got. Good things. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you Friday. Skittily-doop-dop-dop-dop. I love you. All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hotcakes, bright and early for the daily link dumps, no one's clicking, 
no one's clicking. Their pinkies are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet, in which I'm worthless, is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world.